Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. It was about 11.45 a.m. of week one when the Eagles fan base collectively opened the doors to the nuclear bunker and smashed every panic button on the way. But I was able to ground myself in the familiar, and let me tell you, it felt so good to smash a bang energy can against my head and tweet out the weekly arm sleeve analytics for Ertz and Goddard like I do every week during the regular season because for me, that was like the official ring the bell It's time to make some money and watch the Eagles start the season. That's the kickoff for me. And for all the doubts entering this game in the lead up, I remained confident that the Eagles would come away with this one. And here we are hours later, and I am pissed, Ben. What a failure to even let Washington compete in this game, to be up 17 to nothing, and you let up 27 unanswered. Wentz goes totally cold for a gigantic stretch. They don't know what they want to be offensively, and if they do, it's wrong. The offensive line was exactly the type of problem we thought it would be, and worse with the late news that Lane would be out. And the defense can't come up with anything in the red zone against an abysmally poor offense. If this is what we have to look forward to for the rest of the year, I am going to be one cantankerous SOB because that was a sorry excuse for a season opener. And the next person that says... But Carson Wentz in 2017, I'm going to punch them in the throat in public. Y'all need to let that go. It's 2020. This stinks. Carson Wentz cannot be that inconsistent in a game like this. That was terrible. And he deserves all the criticism for this. And we're going to get into it. But Ben, goodness. The Washington football team scored 27 points. Ask me how many were off of turnovers. At least 17. It's got to be like, what, 20? It was 20. It was 20. I tweeted it was 27. That was wrong. Man, if you wanted to just put on a clinic for, like, just teach tape for how to let a team win a game, just how to let a team back into a game, how to give a team a win in a game in which they had lost, this is it. Consummate failure. There's, okay. Beyond infuriating, dude. It's, as always... Important to calibrate to what just happened, which is with Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll slash Jordan Mylott on the right-hand side of the line, the Eagles consistently gave up pass rush, consistently gave up pressure. Now, that will not always be the case. Even if it's Herbig and Driscoll for the rest of the year, which it won't be because Lane Johnson will be back. But even if it's it's Herbig and Driscoll, Herbig and Mylott for the rest of the year, they'll get better as the season goes on. And they will be less prone to giving up pressure. But it was a little bit of a assumption coming into the game that the Eagles were going to give up pressure on the offensive line, especially if Lane were out. And Lane was out for this game. And the fact that Carson simply just for this is what, his fourth year, fifth year, fifth year as a pro, still has just no idea what to do when the pocket around him isn't perfect. Yep is almost as reprehensible as the fact that the offensive coaching staff refuses to acknowledge that there's pass rush on every passing down. The Eagles came out in the first half with that opening drive, quick game stuff. Third down checks to empty, right? The, the, uh, the, the, The touchdown to Zach Ertz 
is four wide receiver set, right? Ertz is that flexed out wide. That switch release, yeah. Carson's in the gun. Carson gets to his second read on that play, which is great. He gets to the offensive line. But gets to his second read on Ertz on a fairly quick read. Touchdown. Third and three. Eagles check to empty. Carson uh, audibles to slants. Greg Ward. Interior slant. Uh, number three to trips. First down. Balls out. Two seconds. Dallas Goddard touchdown. Stab concept. Slot fade from the number two receiver to the three receiver side. They're an empty. Carson audibles to it against cover one. Pulls the safety off. Throws it. Beauty of a throw. If you're going to get pressure, this is what you do. You, you, you spread it out. You help, you help your quarterback define where the blitz is going to come from, define where the rushers are going to be coming from, and then you let him distribute the ball quickly. And then, I don't know what Rich Scangarello's got on Doug Peterson, because apparently it's a lot, because the Eagles went honor center, play action, two tight ends in, back uh, uh, seven yards behind. Oh, no, it's Corey Clement on inside zone. Nobody cares. Right? Like, he's going to pick up three yards of the cloud of dirt. Right. Now, at one point, it's 15 yards on, like, 10 carries, and you've got Carson under center turning his back turning to Turning his yep. back to the defense. He doesn't know where the blitz is coming from. He's already terrible. He's actually – he did a really good job pre-snap looking at it and identifying, but he's already terrible. When, like, people think Carson's good when there's pressure. He's not because he tries to survive everything. He tries to make all these hero plays, and you remember the five hero plays. You remember the five unbelievable plays. But then in games like this is where all of a sudden – Eight sacks, two fumbles, one of which is recovered. A sack on fourth down, a sack on third down, both in the opponent's territory. Some of those are on Wentz, yeah. It's on you. That's that's multiple points that you took off the board. That that, that fourth down sack, it's it's five-man protection, which is what I've been asking for, and it's six potential rushers. Carson, guess who's responsible for the sixth? You are. Get rid of the dog on football. 100%, yep. So so what you have what you have here is, as an offensive coaching staff, we clear they're coming into the goal coming into the season with the goal of more play action and deep shots with our speed receivers. We finally have speed at receiver. We want to hit them deep. That's our objective. Then you have a reality, which is a quarterback who does not do well when the pocket is collapsing around him. I'm, I'm extremely sick and tired of people saying Carson Wentz is good when the pocket collapses. He's not. He's bad. It's just too volatile with him. Quarterback is not good at that. And your, your offensive line can't protect for long enough to get those plays done. But... With this truth acknowledged, after the, the 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 touchdown to go up seventeen to nothing, right? Which was uh, you know Carson got the third down conversion to Greg Ward of the middle of the field, and then checked to the Goddard play as we talked about from empty. After that, right, it was the uh, the running play, second and long tight end screen that they always throw, and then the draw, right? And we're going to talk about the predictable screen game later. Yeah, yeah. right. You get the Rager interception, okay. Then you get the the end of the second half drive, right? Where it's deep shot, deep shot, or it's shallow shot, deep shot, deep shot, which that Rager throw was an inch from connecting. I thought that was a great ball, great route, whatever. Um, okay, so you ended on a three and out where you you lost yardage on a first and 10 run. An interception, which we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about the interceptions later. And then just a, a three Hail Mary drive, right? It's 17 to seven because of the interception. You get the ball to start the second half. You don't need to do anything, right? You don't need to do nothing. You don't need, you are doing exactly what you needed to do. So you come out, you get another five yard loss on a first and 10 run, right? Then you come out and you get the the interception on John Hightower. And then it's multiple runs to, 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 to Clement. It's quick game. It's Dallas Goddard over the middle. It's Dallas Goddard with Yak. Everything that you wanted to see, it's tremendous. Carson takes the third down sack. You miss out on the field goal. And then you just get desperate. 
It's just deep bomb, deep bomb, deep bomb, play action, run, deep bomb. You have the, the you know, Carson's hard counting guys, and he's getting, you know, short, darn down, distant situations, and then you just get him in another third down. Once again, Carson's in an unbelievable number of third downs, and he has to make all of these plays to survive them because the Eagles just can't lace together consistent moving of the ball. You would have thought they learned last year that when, when all they had was the quick game, what the advantages of the quick game were, and they refused to tap into it. For the entire second half, you could have controlled this game 17 to 7 by putting together some of your, the, the long drives that were the only good thing going for your offense last year. And they, they refused to do it. It was unbelievable. Like, Carson, we're going to get in on it, I'm sure, when, you, when I throw it to you here. But to me, like, I just was so frustrated with the offensive coaching staff, man. And look, I'll be the first to say I was calling for YY wing, double tight end sets, and everything like that. But with the running game not working, like, how do you continue to do that when it's not setting you up for right. success? You got to go empty. The whole point of that, the, right? The whole point of that is like movement in the running game, matchup, tight ends. If you're doing that to throw deep bombs to Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson, who what the frick was going on with Deshaun in this game? If you're doing that, you're, you've missed the point. And let's talk about those those shots, right? Because the mantra all off season was get faster, and not just with the wide receivers, but overall team speed at every position. The main hope was still, of course, was being more explosive on offense. And I think in the first half they established that they could be that team. They had Jalen Rager getting over top of Ronald Darby for a fifty five yard gain on third and twenty two, which was incredibly therapeutic. Goddard on the thirty four yard touchdown that we talked about, and then even with the misses at the end of the half, like both Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson got deep, and it really showed. The mindset that they were going to take shots they can take shots they will take shots and you have to respect it and hey it also helped them build a lead early and and that's what we needed to see right in theory score early salt it away however you can which the eagles weren't able to do in this game take some more shots and go home or you know in this case you don't go home because boy did the offense especially carson in the run game you know just get in a real rut in the middle of the game and didn't you mentioned the, those shots being desperate do, do you think they were that at the end of the half because i actually like those yeah i love that that was all good people were like oh you know carson's 0 for 6 on his last six attempts yeah like he missed rager and jackson both on like 50 plus air yards by like two inches <laughs> yeah so they were close to hitting those shots and that's kind of like we're at unraveled and we'll talk about the interceptions and whatnot but like there were a stretch of five or six throws where Wentz was absolutely cold and I was starting to get worried. I wasn't even worried on the, like the first interception, but as you started to look as the, as the game developed and when the game was 17 to 17, I tweeted this out and I, I still think this is true. The game went as Carson Wentz went for both teams, right? It was like it was 17 points for Carson Wentz going up 17 points for Carson Wentz, right? It's a great way of putting it, right? Right, like you're opening touchdown play right is Wentz just like 16 yards to Goddard 19 yards to Jackson 12 yards to Goddard five yards to Ertz touchdown just like the easiest opening drive you've ever seen the field goal right was the third and 22 conversion to Rager which was just a view of a throw and then the the score to go up 17 was again it was the 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 gorgeous slot fade to Goddard plus the third down conversion to uh to to Greg Ward right so you're up 17 nothing on four drives it's all Carson it's just your passing game is out of its mind. And the ball's getting out quick, and he's making checks, and he's, he's in control of the line of scrimmage. He's identifying blitzes tremendously well. The placement on that Greg Ward, third down conversion, that was the one where he bailed out the back of the pocket, running to his left, throwing with the right hand, keeping Ward from being hit. Just a beautiful throw, right? And that's everything. And this is a, a common narrative that we had last year, which was 
all right, it's Carson's fault that the team is bad. It's also Carson's fault that this game is a game. It's also Carson's fault that we're here. It's also Carson's fault, right? Like, Zach Berman of the, of the Athletic just shared all, all five of Washington's scoring drives started within Eagles territory. That's two turnover on downs, one of which is Carson's fault, the other which is Ertz's fault. Two interceptions, qualifying those and whose fault they were. And then a punt, which which they, they weren't able to get the ball outside of like the six on that drive or whatever it was. When everything rests on your quarterback's shoulders, you're not in a good spot to begin with. You're in an especially bad spot when your quarterback is as volatile as Carson Wentz. Uh, if it's third down, Carson's either making a tremendous play or a terrible play. There is no in-between, right? And And especially in a context where he's so bad when the pocket starts to crumble around him and he knows he has to make a play and he's holding on to the ball and he's trying to throw from these terrible angles. He's hanging the pocket, bodies around him. The, the coaching staff's refusal to move him outside of the pocket once again has me willing to kill eight to 10 people. It's like I, they just, for some reason, just do not want to take him out of the pocket. I can't tell you why. He makes that throw to Grave Ward on the move. How can you not want to design this guy outside of the pocket, especially with the, the failures in pass protection? The single most frustrating thing to me about this game was that the offensive coaching staff refused to acknowledge the fact that maybe Nate Herbig, Jack Driscoll, and Jordan Mailata were going to give up pressures to Matt Ioannidis, Ryan Kerrigan, and Chase Young. How dare you? How dare you not do something about that? Right. They, they refused to address it. Just like, all right, well, first and 10, Carson, we're going to go. 15 yards to to Deshaun Jackson, you know, deep comeback layered between a linebacker and a safety. So we need to make a perfect placement throw uh, on a five-step drop, turn your back to the defense. Oh, also, by the way, there's going to be immediate pressure. Get him outside of the pocket, put him in shotgun, get the ball out of his hands quicker, do something. But this is just agnostic to the problem. You cannot do that when this is the right side of the offensive line you're putting out. The two interceptions. The Rager one couldn't be less concerned. Timing of it was off. Placement of it was off. Rager's location was off. He was flat to the sideline. It literally was the route that when the Eagles released the video hyping up Rager in camp, he was talking about with Carson when he run on Avante Maddox. He was talking about how he wanted to separate. They're figuring it out. Like it's it, this is that that to me is a direct result of lack of training camp. First round rookie. Rager didn't run a ton of routes in college. The Hightower one is similar. It's just uh, it's more on Wentz's shoulders and, and less on Hightower's shoulders. Hightower should come back and fight for that ball. But also, having watched John Hightower film at Boise State, Hightower's not coming back and fighting for that ball, right? That's the that's the problem with that player. You know, you, you saw the drop uh, in the second quarter, and then that Hightower's a space guy, right? And so if you don't put that ball away from coverage, he's not going to make you right. Uh, so this is where your Alshon Jeffries and your JJ Pickle Whitesides need to become options for you, or your Deshaun Jacksons need to be healthy. The third and three missed to Deshaun Jackson before the fourth and three Zacherts drop. Jackson had no juice. That's very catchable football. But like, oh, Carson missed him deep. Carson put that ball in a great spot. Deshaun Jackson should be Deshaun Jackson, uh, unless you know Deshaun is completely gone. Deshaun should be able to run under that ball and catch that ball every single time. That's that's exactly what we want. I mean, Dallas Goddard did. Dallas Goddard flipped it in and got it. And then fourth and three, Zach Ertz, man. I mean, uh, uh, I got I got love for Zach. But you can't talk mess about a contract extension and then drop fourth and three in a seven-point game. Can't do it. Can't do it, brother. Looks don't get worse than that. That's first and ten at midfield, four and a half minutes left in a seven-point game. You, you've been the highest volume guy. You're, you're Travis Kelsey and, and, and George Kittle, brother. Fourth and three over the middle. Are you kidding me? That's such a bad luck. Yeah, and I want to dial back to Ertz after the after the break here. But first, I do want to touch on what you said about Deshaun because Derek Gunn had tweeted out during the game. He says, "I'm I'm being told that Deshaun Jackson is not injured, 
But like, look at the guy. Watch it. He was he was up. He was down. He was all around. There was all of these things going on with him. He was holding his shoulder. Like it was obvious that Deshaun Jackson was in fact banged up for this thing, right? So who knows how long we had? That's that's an extremely scary proposition, by the way. Not having that threat possibly throughout the season if he's banged up with something. We don't know how this is going to go. I'm interested to see if he pops up on the injury report because he obviously did not have the juice or the impact that he would have had if he was healthy. So we're going to talk some Zach Ertz after the break. We'll get into the defense, and then we'll get into your three words from the gentle listeners. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Kist and Solak show. I think it's episode like 192, something like that. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak, Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation, bringing it to you. Ben, do you want to start with the Zacherts thing or do you want to go with the uh, the defensive performance in this game? Oh, well, let's talk defense because I, I I wrote about Ertz. You can read about it. I don't think the Ertz contract thing, like, you know, Ertz even said, like, I'm just going to play this season like it's my last and like we're not going to deal with it, whatever. It's just such a bad luck for him. <laughs> but, it, you know, well, like, I, I'm fine putting that off to the side. I. I want to talk about the defense because defense played well. You can't give an opposing team four short fields. Expect to win a football game. Yeah, and you have a point there. And they're obviously put in some disadvantageous situations, right? But at the same time, I still did want to see better from them in the red zone. I wanted to see them tighten up. This Washington offense has zero teeth whatsoever. I thought Darius Slade did a really good job on Terry McLaurin throughout the game. There were some struggles for Jalen Mills in this one. You know, I was promised a smooth, smart transition from this guy, and he missed a lot of plays in this one. And then you watch, you know, Nate Gary. I'm fascinated to watch the tape and watch Nate Gary in this game because he's going to be a stat darling, oh, but I thought Nate he was Gary. bad in this one. Nate Gary had two sick TFLs on bubble screens and then did absolutely nothing else. Big run to Antonio Gibson. Nate Gary sees the center climbing and says, I'm positive this play is going the other direction. Just goes head first into the center, crosses face, and he's ready for a runner who is coming absolutely nowhere near him. Uh, third and eight, critical third and eight. Uh, Logan Thomas, am I correct? And is Logan Thomas is still a thing? Third and eight, Logan Thomas. Nate Gary relates to the route, and then when the throw comes, goes to undercut it. Brother, if Logan Thomas is anywhere from eight or deeper yards, go for it. If Logan Thomas is seven or fewer yards from the line, go get it. Hit and tackle. This is not difficult. This is not Nate Gary's not a good enough athlete. This is not Nate Gary's, you know, got better run recognition. This is. 
understand the down and distance to make a, a decision. If he is short of the line to gain, which on any third down, you should know immediately where the line to gain is. You should be setting your zone drop relative to the line to gain. If he's short of the line to gain, you do not play to the ball. You play to the tackle. That is 101 fundamental defense. And it's critical. Fourth and one. Peyton Barber. A little, little uh, quick toss pitch from, from under gun. Jannard Avery gets crack blocked by Terry McLaurin. <laughs> by Terry McLaurin. McLaurin, who, like, is scrappy, but also, like, is a buck 95. Brandon Graham's on the sideline because he's hurt. Right. And it's just these little things. Right. And, and yeah, well, speaking of like little things and like small plays that add up, what about the one with like Jalen Mills coming from his safety position to cover? Who is it? Steven Sims in the flat and just completely passes off Steven Sims to absolutely nobody and goes after the quarterback, man. Just stay relative to the wide receiver. Right. Yeah. So, right. It's 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 first and 10 right after the Ertz mess. It's still a, a seven point game there at the edge of field goal range. If you can. Get a good defensive stop. They're either going to punt or take a long field goal. They're going to have a tough decision to make. Jalen Mills, playing slot safety, has to know that there are no receivers outside of him at the snap, which he's relating to the tight end, which means that there are no outside corners relative to you. So if you get motion to you, he is yours. You are the outermost defender. And Mills passes him off or even raises up the left hand to say, you, and there is nobody behind him. How can you not understand structurally where you are in the defense? The the the, the first touchdown to um, I believe it was to Logan Thomas, right? Jalen Mills is over Thomas in two. Steven Sims, the outside receiver, goes to transition, uh, goes to motion across. Mills motions to Maddox to run with him, and then abandons Logan Thomas as if Avante Maddox would be back there to handle Logan Thomas going deep. Maddox was miffed after the play. How do, you, yeah. how do you not know the number of players and their relative positions behind you? Jalen Mills was asked to transition to a role that he has proven in the game against the Patriots last year, which Jim Schwartz alluded to, that he does not have the mental capacity for. He doesn't understand. And nothing that happened in camp changed that. So Mills, who's long been a problem, who the coaching staff continues to trust, remained a problem. Nate Gary, who's long been a problem, who the coaching staff continues to trust, remained a problem. And then, no Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham goes down, Vinnie Curry goes down. Remember that pass rush in the first half? Gone. Bye-bye. I mean, because Washington, not for nothing, started getting the ball out of Dwayne Haskins' hands a lot stinking quicker, which is maybe something the Eagles could look into the next time they can't pass for tag. And what did what did you see with Barnett out anyway? Because I, I really wasn't concerned about the drop-off. I think Vinnie, out, Vinnie Curry outplayed Derek Barnett Last year, I think Josh Sweat, you know, had a good camp from from the reports, and I thought he had a really good game, at least from the flashes that I saw. You know, he beats you know Christian on the one where he gets around the edge, gets the sack, fumble, and whatnot. But like, how do they handle this rotation moving forward? Barnett's going to stay out there. The coaching staff likes Barnett. The coaching staff likes Nate Gary, and the coaching staff likes Jalen Mills. Here we are with a terrible linebacking core led by Nate Gary and a terrible safety room led by Jalen Mills. You think Derek Barnett's going to get absolutely no chance? Now I don't know why I asked. Right, Josh Sweat, good rep. Garen Christian, you know what I mean? It was like when he was beating up on Matt Pryor, which, not for nothing, did anybody know? Did anybody get a feel? Like, I think yesterday, they had, or on Friday it would have been, they had Nate Herbig in install as, as the number one guard, first team guard. I think I remember Kemsky tweeting about it, but like, yeah. I didn't see anything about, like, this is what we're doing. I thought Pryor was starting. I thought Pryor was starting right guard. I didn't think it was conditional on, you know, the tackle. I didn't think it was like, oh, if we have Lane, then it'll be Pryor. And if we have Driscoll, it'll be Herbig. Like, that wouldn't make any sense. Herbig wasn't good. Herbig wasn't bad, but Herbig wasn't good. 
net neutral. Meanwhile, the, the 2019 UDFA Steven Sims is out here putting up 50 receiving yards for the Washington football team, which goes back to, you know, a lot of people criticizing Howie for this game. I am also in agreement that a second round or third round or fourth round player who was able to contribute to this game would have been helpful. You got a catch from John Hightower. You got reps from Jack Driscoll, but Driscoll blew a protection that gave up a sack early in the game. And look, I wasn't expecting Jalen Hurts to win the QB2 job in a super weird offseason this early, like week one, but I'd be crazy not to think about what an active second rounder that they could have drafted, that they could have brought onto this team and have been active for this game, at least given depth. I'd be crazy not to think about what they could bring to this game, you know, as you peruse the inactive list for this game and see how the depth has been hit at all these different positions. And I get the feeling that the fan patience is going to run dry pretty quickly if they don't find a reason to not only dress him on Sundays, but also somehow get him involved in the offense in a creative way. It's like we said, you can say that this was a good decision in a vacuum, but then when the Eagles cannot get starting linebackers, quality starting uh, interior, like safe box safety and nickel guys, i.e. the Malcolm Jenkins role, when they can't get him on the field, well, all right, you short up your quarterback position. You're bleeding points. You're bleeding points in the red zone. You're bleeding points in key late down distance situations because you don't have a linebacker who can cover right now. You don't have a safety who can get the the, the defense situated against a motion-heavy offense. Huh? Congratulations on Jalen Hurts. It, it sounds good in theory. In practice, your defense could have been better, and it's not. So uh, I think bright spots wise, Fletch looked like he was uh, good. Fletch was banged up a little bit last year and, and did not have his best season as a pro last year. He looked more active for sure. The Josh Sweat sack was nice. It was good to see. Sweat also, they, they looped him on a rush and he took Brandon Scherf and decleated him. And if Contain was in the correct spot, that was the Dwayne Haskins run. If Contain was in the correct spot, that's a sack because Sweat's job on that twist is to destroy the pocket. And then somebody's got to clean up the mess. Nobody was there to clean up the mess. Uh, like what I saw from Duke Riley, who had a couple of good plays moving through short zones, a couple of good plays in the running game. Um, oftentimes with linebackers, you want to see it through, watch it back, whatever. Thought Jason Peters looked rough. Jason Peters was bad in space, was not able to tag anybody. The sack he gave up to Chase Young was not his responsibility. Boston Scott chipped Chase Young so hard that Chase Young just turned it into an inside sack. That's a good ball player making a good ball play. Like, hey, you know, sometimes that happens you, on ships yeah. and it's unlucky. Yeah. Your your expectation there is that your quarterback can relate to and expect it to move outside there, right? And that's what it is. So main takeaways for me, like, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say the things I'm about to say because it sounds so much like talking in 2019. I think there's no reason to get near the panic button. I think there's no reason to freak out. I think that one Lane Johnson and the Eagles win this game. I believe that fully. Now, what this goes to show you is already with terrible line depth because of the Brooks and the Dillard injuries, if you sustain any serious long-term offensive line injury, you have to adjust your offense to understanding that your quarterback is not good at making good decisions under pressure. He does not manage the pocket well. He constantly hunts and looks for the big play. He's good at identifying blitz pre-snap. But if things get nasty for him, he cannot risk manage. And we're, we are well transitioned from he needs to learn to risk manage to it's his fifth year starting. He doesn't risk manage when, when, right, when, when, when pressure is coming. So to me, the biggest change I want to see is in the coaching staff approach to the passing game. I want to see some of the screens get buried because every second and long, they're like, you know what the, uh, the defense won't expect? If we leave Dallas Goddard in as an H-back with no attached tight end anywhere else and then have him stay in the block, which he doesn't do on any other play, 
and then we're going to throw it on the screen. The Seahawks told everybody that they like, remember last year, the Seahawks regular season game, KJ Wright was like, we knew when the screens were coming. Predictable, yeah. And since then, the Dallas Goddard interior tight end screen just has not hit. Teams are keyed on it. So I want to step away from the screen game a little bit. I'm fine with under center play action shots. I love to see it. We just, in a, in a, in a game in which you are not pass protecting successfully, you cannot keep running your head into the wall. Be more willing to go spread and quick game. Carson wants a great quick game quarterback. For Carson, dude, you make so many good plays. Just learn. I, I laughed out loud when Daryl Johnson was like, this is a situation where Carson needs to throw the ball away. Carson Wentz has five career throwaways. Like, he doesn't ever do it, right? So, Car, you you got to learn how to start living for another down. You got to learn how to stop trying to get everything in one single play. And that's the coaching staff needs to help with that because, yes, we got new toys. We got Deshaun. We got Jalen Rager. But, brother, you have to be able to take the edge off a little bit. So I want to see the change in the coaching staff, change of Carson Wentz. I want to see Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders back because that's going to help this team a ton. No running game at all. Yeah, I just get to see more consistency from Carson Wentz. And I, and, and I get it too because what, like there was the one drive where there were three sacks and you got a field goal right. on that, that drive. Right, and that's why that's why when you say all 17 points, both the Eagles and then Washington's were because of Carson Wentz. Man, besides that first drive, not like the field goal drive or the second touchdown drive for the Eagles were great. They weren't really pretty. Just Carson Wentz making plays. And and I understand that some of his bad decisions in the pocket are the cost of doing business, but he's he's leading the NFL in in fumbles from the pocket. He just took eight sacks. Like, let's relax. You know what I mean? The sack he took with Ryan Kerrigan, where Kerrigan had him, like, bear-hugged, and Wentz is, like, still trying to throw it and ends up hitting on the top of his head. Like, this shelf the it, last, man. The last, the last fumble is amazing. You want to know why it's amazing? Because there's pressure, and Carson resets in the pocket, which is exactly what he's supposed to do, and he starts hitching up. And then once he gets even with the defensive lineman, he stops hitching and stops his feet and rele- and, and and separates to start to throw. Which is, disaster. I don't think I'm overstating this, the most dangerous place on the field to start trying to do that. 100%. Right? Like he, Samalo's got, I believe it's Kerrigan, it might be Payne, blocked. And then Carson gets to a position where Samalo is no longer between him and the defender and then starts trying to throw the ball. If you're going to climb, break pocket. If you're not going to climb, you're going to hang back, that's fine. But it's just the lack of, of a vestibular sense, the lack of awareness, which is constantly what we've harped on in this podcast. It, it's damning for Carson Wentz. It's absolutely damning. Yeah, it's maddening. And it's, it's just who he is right now. And you, it's hard to expect anything else. You can only hope for small improvements in it. And, and I just don't see it changing. Okay, let's get to uh, the uh, the Zacherts news, right? Like tensions are flying high between Zacherts and Howie Roseman. The two apparently got into a heated war of words after practice. Wait. Is this breaking right now? No, this is a report from, I think, like yesterday and like this morning was on NFL. Oh, I was at church. What happened? I was like, why are you trying to talk about Ertz right now? Why does this matter? Wait, what happened? So the report is like at a practice that Zach Ertz and Howie Roseman like really got into it, like kind of like yelling at each other. And several people, it was witnessed by several people on the team. Ertz is obviously obviously still like fuming after the Eagles lowered their extension offer that would pay him less than what Austin Hooper got from the Browns. And by the way, they have the same agent as we noted on the last kiss and so like, and this comes after Ertz said that he wants to stay in Philly, but he's not so sure that the organization has the same drive to keep him here. And and look, adults fight and sometimes cutting through the BS and, and night cities and just getting to the core issue of things and letting it out into the air that can be productive. And that's a fun way for, for me to put a positive spin on this. But who knows at this point? All we know is 
that they're at loggerheads right now. And overall, that's bad. That's bad for morale, especially when it's a guy like Ertz, a leader on the team. It's potentially bad for locker room chemistry, right? Like between Ertz and Goddard, like I know Ertz is a pro and I know that Dallas Goddard loves him as a human and Goddard wants his shining moment too. And right now, Ertz is hogging some of that spotlight. And I've been of the opinion that the Eagles should hold firm on this situation with Ertz. But like it gets to the point where you're hoping that they can come to a compromise and meet somewhere in the middle, right? Like, But Ertz has no leverage. He's under contract. He's being paid pretty well. But like we're talking about a Hall of Fame tight end that has only gotten better over the years. So you hope that they can come to an agreement. Ertz is a significantly better blocker than he's been in the past. I don't think he's near being cooked, like especially for a guy whose game isn't predicated on athleticism. It's predicated on nuance and technique and intelligence. That to me, and look, yeah, we can complain about his lack of yak, but that has a long shelf life. And unfortunately, it's the business side of things, keeping Ertz's future in doubt. And those things aren't always pretty. Dallas Goddard balling out doesn't help things either. Uh, Ben, your thoughts? Yeah, I got one thing to add. Dallas Goddard, nine targets, eight receptions, 101 yards and a touchdown. Right. And that's what I mean. And you can see why Ertz is like impatient to like get this thing done, because the longer he waits, the more Goddard balls out and the less leverage that he has. Right. And, And the thing with Ertz is it's not even like the Eagles have Goddard. Should they pay Ertz? Goddard's contract is up after 2021. Ertz's contract is up after 2021. Eagles are going to pay one of them. All Ertz has to do, Ertz here believing that he's of a Kelsey Kittle caliber, is be better than Goddard. Not a better blocker. Hasn't been since day one. All right, and Goddard's out here being the highest volume player, being the best, a deep threat, long touchdown, yak guy. So, so with Ertz, you want to get paid like that. No wonder you want to get paid like that. No wonder you're causing such a stink about it. Because you can see what's happening behind you on the depth chart. It's a, again, like I wrote about it long on, on Bleeding Green. So if you can go check, especially like the uh, the calculus of it, the, the finances of it, because the Eagles are obviously in a weird cap spot, they can pay Ertz if they want to. But Ertz got to give them a reason to pay him. And a fourth down drop, three catches, 18 yards, and a touchdown behind Goddard is not a reason to pay you. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, if, if Ertz is going to be sour for the season, if targets are going to kind of, you know, be a way that we interpret how the team feels about him and interpret how how Carson feels about him, then whatever, we can go for that. But man, I understand why he feels slighted. And again, all the respect and love of the world to him. But sitting and looking at it objectively, when you read the room, it is not pretty for Zach Ertz long term in Philly. It hasn't been since 2018, second round, 49 overall. Yeah, no kidding. That writing has kind of been on the wall. All right, so let's get to three words. And look, if you're new to the feed, joining us for the first season, number one, welcome. Number two, every week from at BGN underscore radio on Twitter, we ask you, the gentle listener, for three words to describe your feelings on the game that just went down. I just realized we haven't even said the final score yet. 27 to 17, Washington wins. So we asked the gentle listeners to chime in. And the first one I'm just going to highlight, man, it's from the QB Factory co-host that I have here at BGN, my good friend, Mark Schofield. He says, here's my resignation. And look, it chokes Schofield being a big Wentz supporter. Definitely a bad day for him, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's five good plays. So five so good plays and five so bad plays. And then also the rest of the offense sucks. And so the five good plays are 17 points. And the five bad plays are 17 points the other way. And that's just, that's such a good way of, of, of categorizing that. The next one comes from my son, Simeon. He just says pain. He didn't need three words, only needed one. And yeah, that's the perfect word for him. Welcome back, Eagles. 
my aunt, who lives in D.C., Alexandra Cedor, said 27 unanswered points, exclamation point, and then hi, Ben, exclamation <laughs> point, which Aunt Allie, who clearly does not listen to the podcast, does not know. <laughs> if you say more than three words, we will never read your answer on air. Um, but yeah, 27 unanswered, man. Just flip me upside down and kick me in the head. Oh, man. Then we have David Tomei and Brandon Ravels chiming in with butts for linemen. Oh, yeah, butts for. I forgot about butts for. Yeah, if, if you think like I, 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 you know, I don't mean to be like you know, uh, intentionally pessimistic, you know, for the sake of patting myself on the back for having a take. But boy, right, if you think Wentz has been volatile with a good offensive line in front of him, when this offensive line goes bad, it's there's going to be a lot about Wentz that I don't think gets talked about enough publicly that will get talked about in terms of of how he manages the pocket and what he does under pressure. Yeah, no, I saw butts for linemen. Uh, Talent evaluation sucks from Tyler Hampton is an interesting one for me because I'm both I'm on both sides of this. A lot to unpack. Let's give Rager two seconds. Let's you know what I mean. Like he he had I think four targets, maybe five, four targets. Obviously the one deep ball for fifty five, another deep ball that was inches away, another deep comeback route that I would bet good money by week ten. He and Wentz are hitting on with consistency. You know what I mean? So like I I I liked how they used him. Obviously he had the muff on the punt return, but I think that it's okay. It's all going to be fine. So I think that number one, patience, but also number two, just the entire defense is peppered with players who do not belong where they are doing what they're doing. It's so maddening. And, and that is, is so frustrating. Hampton will set an active second rounder, which that's not even talent evaluation. That's talent valuation. How, what matters more, your starting linebacker or your backup quarterback? Um, so the the way the team is built is a very interesting conversation because the Eagles front office is is so interesting. Piggybacking off that, Tyler Hampton says fire Howie Roseman, and he's got quite a few likes on it. Yeah, I saw a fire Mike grow, which I liked. Do you think if we continue to see this type of performance and you get like an eight and eight Eagles team that Howie Roseman is on the hot seat a little bit this year? No, 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 uh, no. I mean. The thing is, like, his responsibilities might be, but with in terms of cap management, if you're firing High Roseman, you're outside your melon. I, I think that you need to get guys who have a better job identifying talent, guys who Howie respects in terms of we should draft this guy, not that guy, this is the guy we like for our system for whatever. But in terms of everything besides the draft, even like the Eagles pro personnel has been very good over the last couple of years. So you just got you you keep Roseman, you might finagle with the responsibilities and the power structure a little bit. Steve Merkley at Alchialty says Donald next week. Eagles play the Rams week two. Aaron Donald is coming. Somebody kill me. It's going to be great. All right. So Brandon O'Neill at bjohn65 says, get ready, Hurts. At what point do we get the big narrative of Jalen Hurts really pressing Carson Wentz? So, okay, right, right. So sandwich bet between you and I right now. Oh, I'll take a Sammy. Major Eagles media or national media, alluding to a potential Jalen Hurts replacement of Carson. Got to be a major guy who, would, who has a press pass or would get a press pass. What week? Closest one wins. If it keeps going like this, I'm going to say like they're one and two, one and three. I would say week four. So week four is right after the Niners. Tough team. Right. I look at Niners and then Steelers, good defense, and then Ravens week six, good defense. And I want to say week six. I want to say... Right, I want to say the Eagles beat the Rams next week. They beat the Bengals next week. Lane is back. They're two and one, and then they go one and two or zero oh and three on the Niners, Steelers, and Ravens split. Which I think the Eagles could have beat Washington by twenty today, and I would have told you Niners, Steelers, Ravens. There's a chance they go zero oh and three in that. You know what I mean? Those are three of the better teams in the league, in my opinion. 
so like week six, you know, they lose a bad one to the Ravens. And you hear, you know, you hear, you know, with three divisional games coming up, if this <laughs> right. continues, when do the Eagles turn to Jalen Hurts to save the season? And then, Mike, you never find me again. You call me, you text me, you, you we sit down to record. I'm nowhere to be seen. You can't get in contact with my family. You don't, nobody knows where I am. I'm in hiding. Yeah, that's where I become just like completely dead inside and become an actual click farmer and i'm just doing it for the money man got my hat my my straw my my wheat coming out of the mouth and everything i just just don't just don't care last one from me yeah dakota pratt sure at dp guitar 93 says another medical staff with five question marks we didn't mention it explicitly but it is worth noting the eagles had four players go down with injury in this game it's unbelievable it's absurd they had one two three four starters on offense out miles sanders Andre Dillard, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey, five, depending on kind of what you want to call it, right? So we'll call that five. And then on defense, they lost two starters throughout the course of the game in Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham when they already had a, a starter in Derek Barnett out, which is why Curry was starting. So like the Eagles to already have the amount of injury attrition they do at the end of week one is just like, what God did we you know spite like what what deity that controls the health of football players did we just like spit in the face of during the 2017 is he a vikings fan like what did is he a patriots guy like i just don't know but something after the 2017 season he must be like the biggest nick Foles dude ever and since then he's been like all right screw this just to hate the eagles i just don't know it's the, the the that's the most frustrating part and the trickle down effect from that, especially on the, it's, just, it's astronomical. It's like it, that's the thing is it's like if there's if Lane is just able to play, if you take eight sacks down to five sacks, five, I'll give you five. I think the Eagles are able to win this game. If you take Gernard Avery and replace him with Brandon Graham on fourth and one, I don't think the Eagles win it. But it's all of a sudden it's a tie ball game, and the Eagles have the ball. You know what I mean? Like that's fourth down. So it's just it uh, just little bit healthier. And there's a chance that even with all the concern that this game is showing you, this is a 1-0 instead of an 0-1. So, I mean, it's as we've only got one week down, it's difficult to say these are the trends, these are the truths. But the Eagles' opening week performance is a loss, 17-27 against the Washington football team. A disappointing game, ton of things to get pissed off about. I would advise you all very strongly to hop onto NFL Game Pass, watch the first quarter and a half, and then turn it back off, and you will be happy for the rest of the week. That will certainly be my approach. Now, of course, we will watch all of the All-22, and we will be available to walk you through it. I'll be writing about it on Bleeding Green Nation. Mike, do we have a All-22 recap show on the new schedule? Yes or no? I'm going to see what this is like, because I've got the, the national show and, and this to deal with as well. So I'm going to see if I can what okay. this week looks like, and then if I can fit it in, we're going to try it in the future. But for right now, no, this week we do not. So if you are following the feed, but not following the site and specifically not following me, uh, then you're going to miss out on that, which you've loved uh, for a couple of seasons. And so I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Doesn't matter what he's at on Twitter because he's doing the national show now. Loser, at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Uh, the Eagles down to Washington expecting the Los Angeles Rams for, I believe, the home opener. Yes, in, yes indeed, the home opener 
uh, 1 o'clock on Sunday next week. So for the next couple of days, keep your eyes peeled on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGN Radio for further breakdown podcasts and breakdown pieces. And then on Wednesday and into Thursday, we will pivot, as we always do, into previews for the next weekend. That's when you will catch Mike and I yet again in our All-22 preview of the Rams game as they come to visit Philadelphia. If you enjoy the feed, if you enjoy the site, if you enjoy anything, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. We thank you for suffering through us with through this one with us. Hopefully it's the last one through which we will have to suffer like this through the season. I, for one, am eternally optimistic. Everything is delicious. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later this week. It's time to hit the panic button. We all we got. Oh, yeah. We all we need. Maybe later. Kill me. Ha, ha, ha.